Ross Kickle, and on this episode of American Reef, Mike Paletta is going to tell us the lessons that he learned during the pandemic. A couple items before we bring up that interview with Mike. First one, a giveaway from Top Shelf Aquatics. Uh, I don't know if you have seen it. If not, go check out their website or an Instagram feed, for example, and you'll see where they are doing a giveaway to Aquashella. Not only paying for the trip to get there and the hotels, but there's also kind of a buying spree, all that sort of stuff. Again, very much worth checking out. Again, that's Top Shelf Aquatics. And then on the premium aquatic side, this week's tank series video, what they did is they actually talked a little bit about testing for silicates and iodine. Again, something that's not usually talked about, and uh, again, I thought it was valuable and worth checking out. Again, that was Premium Aquatics on their YouTube channel. And then as far as the giveaways, again, that's Top Shelf Aquatics for Aquashella. That being said, let's check out this interview with Mike Paletta on what he learned during the pandemic. It's been forever, right? Hey, we're back after 18 months. We've gone through a lot. Uh, we st we're still standing, quote Elton John, after all these years. So things are good. Things are hopefully mellowing out for everyone out there, and uh, you're getting back to life as normal. So life for normal is we shoot videos and we talk about uh, lots of things, and we're going to talk about lots of things today. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the thing that everybody learned. What I learned during COVID, because everybody learned something during COVID, and one of the things I learned, the main thing I learned is that we were basically all in this together. Uh, during COVID, I talked to my friends literally all over the world on a relatively frequent basis, particularly when we were all quarantined right. at home. We had nothing else to do. So we talked with each other. We shared ideas. We shared things that were working. We shared things that didn't work so well. And we all made changes. We all tinkered with the tanks. And we all found out a lot of things. And I found out a lot of things during COVID. I was going to say, did you find out not to tinker with your tank? That was the first. That was the, after finding out how we're all in this together. The other thing I did, I did experiments on my tank downstairs. I did one experiment a month for 18 months. Some of them produced little incremental things incrementally better. Some of them were disasters right from the start. But the biggest thing, and hopefully you all learned this as well, is if you're constantly tinkering with a tank, things don't grow. Things stop growing. Because after 18 months, prior to that, I was getting what I thought was relatively good growth in the downstairs tank. As I did all those experiments thinking this is really going to do it and this is really going to do it, all I was doing was changing things. So as a result, things did not grow to the way I wanted. I also learned that when you start off with quarter-inch or half-inch frags, even if they doubled in size in six months, 
then you're left with a half an inch or an inch. And in a year, you may have three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half of a frag. You aren't really left with a colony. It takes a long time and you start with really small frags. As a result, I've tried now to get bigger frags or grow the frags out in the frag tank. Because the other thing with small frags is if they get blown off or knocked off the rock, they always go into the worst spot in the tank and you can never find them. (laughs) One, because they find the little tiny holes. And two, because they're small, they're really hard to find. So that, those are some of the, the biggest things I've learned. Uh, I also learned for at times to keep my hands out of the tank. Uh, so for the last five months, I have pretty much stabilized things. I have not been monkeying around. I've not been changing light schedules. I've not been adding or subtracting trace elements or other things. I've tried to keep things as stable as possible. And now I'm finally starting to see the kind of growth I wanted. But it's taken for the last six, eight weeks till I really started to see things pop. Right. So, I mean, those are two of the biggest things I've learned. Uh, other things I learned is that I really miss doing road trips. Uh, Sanjay and I went on one road trip during COVID. And we just went on another one this past week to visit our friends at Ecotech. And it, it was the fastest trip I've ever taken with Sanjay because we hadn't seen each other in so long. We literally talked the entire time. So, you know, when you talk, boom, you're right, there. Right. And when we got done, boom, we were back. Right. I mean, it was it was really good. We both uh, uncovered a lot of things because both of us have had issues in our tanks. Uh, both of us had RTN and STN. And I, we talked about how to battle that primarily by treating with witch hazel, which I learned from my friend Andre Mueller. Uh, I've actually been more aggressive with it than even Andre was. And then once you get the bacteria knocked down, you can actually then go in and add back good bacteria. And then I add Microbacter 7 and BioDigest. I now do that on a weekly basis. And that has more or less stabilized things. Well, hold on. What, what is witch hazel? I've never heard of it before. Witch hazel is a antiseptic. It kills okay. bacteria on contact. Uh, there's a company, I want to say it's Microbiome, mm-hmm. that will actually do an assessment of the bacterial load in your tank whether it's high or low and whether it's pathogenic versus non-pathogenic bacteria. In my tank, I had a a fairly high level of pathogenic, primarily Vibrio bacteria. Mm -hmm. And that's when you cause any kind of stressor, you get a bacterial infection. And that's basically what STN is. STN slow tissue necrosis, where the corals bleach out like in the middle of the colony or start from the base and grow up. Those are bacterial infections. So obviously you have to treat them. So if I could, I would take the colony out treat it with actually peroxide or with witch hazel, put it back into the tank. Uh, when I say treat it, I would soak it in a three to one or three to two ratio of mm-hmm. witch hazel to tank water mm-hmm. uh, for 45 seconds, rinse it off and glue it back in the tank. That would tend to kill it. I would also cut off any dead spots. But then I would also have to treat the tank with the witch hazel to try and get the bacteria under control. Sure. Uh, we were doing roughly, what was it, uh, 10 milliliters per 10 gallons I actually went as high as 20 milliliters per 10 gallons, which you, sounds like a lot. And you did the whole tank? I did. You did the whole tank oh, treatment okay. to get it. Uh, the other thing is we're, we're going to talk about in a later discussion right. is CO2 and the role that low pH has on RTN. Mm-hmm. I've, we were, I worked around that issue, which we're going to talk about, and I managed it with BioDigest and Microbacter 7 to get things under control to where I'm not losing corals anymore. Uh, Sanjay's going to start trying the BioDigest and Microbacter because he's having an issue with STN as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking to a lot of people, a lot of people have been having problems with STN, with dinoflagellates, with uh, cyano. So that's one of the other things I learned. There's always something going on in your tank. Uh, case in point, I was having phosphate issues because obviously I have a lot of fish in the tank. Right, right. So I had been using uh, 
uh, lanthanum chloride for about seven months, never had any issue. So the last two weeks ago, I was testing it, and my phosphate, for whatever reason, had really jumped. Sure. So I said, okay, I'm just going to bump up the amount of phosphate of lanthanum chloride. I was doing eight milliliters. I said, I'm going to bump up to 12. Sure. I bumped it up to 12. But most of the times when I was doing it, I was doing that as a very slow trickle through layers of uh, polyester, mm -hmm. and it was no issue. And this issue, this time I had the water going much faster. It blew right through the polyester. It caused this fine particulate, and it caused uh, six or eight of the fish in the tank to suffocate, which is the hardest thing I've seen. I literally caught them, and I was hand-swimming right. them around in the hopes that I could save them. But once they, it was in their gills, they never came back. Right. So I learned the hard way, something stupid, trying to go fast. Even though we all had a lot of free time, <laughs> I learned, again, nothing good ever happens fast in a reef tank. I mean, I said that literally in 1986, <laughs> 35 years ago, and it still holds true. If I'd have taken my time and added the four milliliters in the middle of the afternoon, four in the evening, and four at night, I wouldn't have had any issues. But no, I had to go fast because, you know, phosphate levels up. I started chasing a number, and I was stupid at doing it. That's the other thing I learned. Don't chase the numbers. Right. For all the time here we've had for the last 18 months, I've learned not to chase after things and not to do things quickly. If one of my parameters is down, like my calcium for some reason, it dropped down to 350 over the past week. Right. I, I don't know if the corals were consuming it more or it's still a result of the precipitation from the lanthanum chloride or what happened. So in the old days, I would have dumped it a time right. and brought it back up to 450 immediately. Instead, I've been bringing it up by 25 uh, milligram increments or whatever, yeah. parts per million increments over the past couple of days. So nothing has changed. Everything's nice and slow. Right. I mean, I, I, as I said, you learn the hard way. I learned the hard way with the lanthanum chloride about going fast. Again, I'm back to doing everything slow. Uh, the other thing I learned was the value of testing even more frequently. Right. Since I had nothing but frequent, like we all had, I went to testing things, and I found a, a lot of things that bounced around a lot more than I thought they did because of testing. I saw that how much my nitrate would change from day to day, how much the phosphate could change from day to day, which I had taken for granted. I had tested it on Saturday. It was always pretty stable. Right, right. But when you test it different times of the, of the day, you see a lot of different issues. The other thing I tested, which will sound weird, I tested how much phosphate there are in a lot of things we add to our tank. Mm -hmm. And I was astounded to find out how high in phosphate just about everything is. Uh, this started when I was doing a – one of my experiments was I was doing – Con literally constant feeding of freeze-dried foods mm -hmm. uh, using Avast Marine's new device. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it works beautifully right, right. to dump the food in out of a, a big uh, screw that turns the food and drops it in. And you can have a drop in as little or as much as you want. Mm -hmm. With all the fish I had, I was jumping in frozen mices, frozen phytoplankton, uh, frozen cyclops, and frozen rotifers. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem. Well, in the week that I was running that, from Saturday when right. I tested – to the following week, my phosphate went from 0.07 to 0.80. <laughs> Obviously, something happened. I tested the dried rotifers and the dried mices. Right. Initially, I, I took a quarter teaspoon and put it in a cup. Mm -hmm. It was off the scale. I took or a half a teaspoon in, sure. a, in a cup. It was off the scale. Sure. Okay, that, it, it's really high. I know that. I got to the point I had to run it seven times till I finally got to a quarter teaspoon mm -hmm. in two liters of water, R-O-D-I water, right. 
till I can get different levels of things. Otherwise, every a lot of the freeze-dried sure. stuff was off the scale. Sure. I then tested like a quarter teaspoon of mice's water from frozen mice's. <laughs> it's pretty much off the scale, yeah. even at a quarter teaspoon. Right. You take the dry, the regular wet mice's, you mush it all up, put a quarter teaspoon. It's at like 0.62. Mm -hmm. Still a high level for a quarter teaspoon, considering I was putting in like uh, – 100 grams a day. Right. So needless to say, that I, I'm not feeding frozen mices right now because the phosphate levels got out of control. But I tested a lot of the dried food. So now I feed, feed flake mm -hmm. and I feed uh, ocean nutrition and reef nutrition mm -hmm. TDO food. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing, I started feeding reef nutrition TDO food now probably nine months ago. Three months after I started feeding it, Several of the fish started spawning that hadn't been spawning before. Right. Uh, the flame angels, the anthias, the uh, Lamarck genocanthus, and a couple of other fish have now spawned on a regular basis since I started feeding it. So obviously there's something in there that's right. more nutritious than what I was feeding, which was primarily frozen mysis, right. that has really gotten the fish up to speed. Right, right. to that point, what you also learned was, again, you can have a freshwater planted tank without CO2 and... You well, know, that's that's what else I learned, is to make things as simple and as easy as I can. And the one thing I did to make my life simple was go to this freshwater tank instead of the Elos Montipro tank. Right, right. Because of the rock in that tank, I'm convinced something was leaching out that over time, it didn't happen immediately, it didn't happen overnight, but every two or three months, I put in a coral, it would stabilize, it might grow a tiny bit, and then it would just gradually fizzle out. Right. I did that for four years. I finally got tired of it, changed it out to this planet tank, no CO2. It has a carbon chamber, NIOS filter in the bottom. It has a big sheet of polyester across the bottom for mechanical filtration. I mean, it's like a super filter floss, super carbon filter, uh, no right. CO2, feed the fish, Catch the baby fish, that's as stressful as it gets. I uh, used potting soil on the very bottom, mm -hmm. which I dried in the oven to get the ammonia out. Put fluoride on top of that. Got a bunch of plants, got a plant, bunch of plants from Sanjay. Uh, everything in here. I'm getting rid of the stem plants because I'm tired of cutting uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, but like dwarf Sagittarius over here, uh, swords, Madagascar lace plant is putting a, uh, is going to bud soon. Cryptocorians and that's basically it, and I'm pretty happy with the time. Yeah, heck yeah. So getting back to the saltwater lessons that you learn or whatever. Okay, so you said you had one a month. Okay. Right. Just a high level without diving into what were the one a month that at least. Some were adding trace elements, which mm -hmm. made did bring up with some of the colors. Uh, I fooled around with a light schedule where I went with everything on for four hours a day. That wasn't all right. it did was kicking an algae bloom because <laughs> nothing was stabilized at that point. So that only lasted like three weeks. And then I went back to yeah. the old schedule. <laughs> I, I can't run Sanjay's schedule because I just don't have the tank stabilized like his is. Right. His is used to that. My tank is not. Uh, I added different foods to see what they would do for the corals. Uh, some I found no effect. 
Some I found a minimal effect. Uh, obviously, just doing them for a month probably isn't enough time. Right. It's generally enough time to see something bad, but it's not enough time to see something good. Sure. Uh, I went to where I take a pump. I went from once a week blowing off the rock to every other day blowing off the rock. Mm -hmm. That has changed things a lot. I upgraded the mechanical filtration where I just had socks in the overflow to now I have polyester on the intakes going to the overflow and taking it out of the uh, frag tank. So I'm right. getting a lot more. When I say a lot more, <laughs> the polyester strips need to be changed every three days because they're literally from the one micron or from the five micron outside to the one micron inside. It's wow. totally packed with the detritus. Well, didn't you have one of the rollers? You know, they've got overflowed because so much waste comes out. Okay, of Okay, so this was a solution to the same kind of results that you wanted with that. Right. right. And I, I try to make it as easy as I can. I basically just lift them out, take them off the roller, put the new ones on, stick them in. Yep. And I save a couple days worth, and then I go out and hose them off. It takes roughly 10 minutes to hose them off. And do you have to worry about them getting clogged up and then overflowing? No, because okay. they're open at the top. So if they get over the overflow, they just roll right over Here the top. Go. Yeah, I've got a little bit smarter <laughs> with floods. I flooded this house here, downstairs. Uh, we're not flooding anything else. We're trying not to have floods, and then we now have a waterproof floor just to protect ourselves against my stupidity. I thought I was free of that. Yeah, uh, I also, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about pH and CO2. Mm -hmm. I got into really aggressively managing the pH and the CO2 levels in the room and in the tank, and that has made a difference. And what was the goal? Was it more to get more growth, more coloration? I mean, what was your... When you get more growth, you tend to get more coloration. Okay. So the goal was to get more growth, and the goal was also, as I mentioned, with STN, high levels of CO2, low pH tend to, there's actually a paper on it, tend to change the microfauna around the microbiome, around the coral, mm -hmm. and allow for the pathogenic bacteria to dominate. So by having low pH, high CO2 levels, you let STN be more of a problem. So by reducing the CO2 levels, I've been able to control it. That's, that's another it. stuff can controlling it. Got it. Let's see what else. I also added a big UV sterilizer onto the tank. Uh, that was in an attempt to manage uh, STN. Mm -hmm. It had no effect on it whatsoever. So even though, because once it's in the tank, it's in right. the tank. It, it's not coming from anything. But by the same token, I've not had any issues with ick or any other maladies on the fish that would be transferred from one spot to another. So And you have the UV running 24 by 7? Yeah. Okay. So and it's 120 watt UV. I mean, it's okay. a big UV sterilizer. Yeah, I was going to say it. So that, that's something new. Uh, I added more flow. I added uh, four gyres now, moving water, and they're on the hydros. Uh, Wave or wave maker yeah, yeah. that basically shuts them on. They they run in an interesting cycle. So because for the first fifteen minutes of every hour, they all run at max. Right. Then they slow down and do a sine curve for the next forty-five minutes, and they do that from eight in the morning until eleven o'clock at night at full power. At eleven o'clock at night, they slow down to forty-five percent. Okay. I mean, it's really easy to program. It's a really nice device. You can run up to four. I wish you could run up to eight or 12 pumps on it. Right. Because in addition to those, I added a couple more MP60s onto the tank just to get no dead spots behind the rock or and to blow the detritus out. So I'm not having the issues with detritus that I used to have. And by having the other thing I put on it that uh, is offline right now is a new power filter, which is basically a very aggressive mechanical filter. It's basically a power head attached to two strips of uh, 
uh, Sarah filter floss, mm-hmm. and it draws in, and eventually it gets so compact that it draws in everything, causes micro bubbles, but it draws in so much fine detritus that you then take it out, throw away the uh, filter floss, and it really helps to take the tank clean. Uh, the other thing that I got was the Hydra's controller. Mm-hmm. I can look and see what effect anything I do has on ORP, because ORP is a relatively quick measure of how clean the water is. Sure. So by doing that uh, and doing the mechanical filtration, my ORP used to run at about 320 to 325. Mm-hmm. Now it runs from 380 to 385. So doing better mechanical filtration, taking out more detritus, has been, bumped up the ORP by about 60 millivolts. Oh, okay. That's all. That's a, quite a jump, too, yeah. right? So the water's much cleaner, right? in other words. Right, right. Without what, me really doing anything else. What else? Because uh, you had a lot of... <laughs> Yeah, eighteen months. Yeah, no, I, no. I'm thinking of what other experiments yeah, yeah, I ran. Yeah, right. No, I, I like I said, I tried adding different foods like nutritional yeast that did right. nothing. Right. Um, went to the mechanical filtration, CO2, pH, lighting, improved flow, uh, blowing off, uh, basting off the tanks. Um, I'm trying to think what else I did. Oh, to back on the basting, since you increased that kind of routine slash whatever you want to call that. Right. In other words, so the rocks aren't, they're being more porous, I guess, ultimately. is They're not necessarily more porous. It's that they're not having the dead spots with detritus because when you put in flat frag plugs, Mm -hmm. detritus typically accumulates around the plug. Mm -hmm. So by not having those plugs, having detritus accumulate, I was getting cyano accumulating around where the detritus was. By basting them off every day with a power head, I no longer have the uh, cyanobacteria outbreaks that I used to have. And you just... You know, put like a maxi or whatever marine land in, in your at the end of your hand and do it. You put it on a stick or how do you? No, I just put it in my hand and move okay. it around. Fortunately, I have long enough arms I can reach almost to the back of the tank. Uh, there was a somebody uh, a shop was actually making pumps that were battery powered and watertight that oh, you yes. could put in the tank, and I haven't been able to find it. So anybody that's out there, if you know where they are, yeah, contact me on Facebook because I'd love to get one. Because walking around with that cord is a pain. Sure. So it, it's easy to just keep the detritus off of everything, and it makes life simple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Saw that at uh, WWC actually. Okay. Never saw. Um, okay. So in general, if you had to summarize, right, in two sentences, right, what you've learned over the past eighteen months, what would that be? Even when you have time, be patient and take things slow. <laughs> Do things incrementally. But understand, we're all basically at this level. Everyone can grow corals at this point. Mm-hmm. When you change things and make try to improve things incrementally, that's all you're going to do. You're never going to change things at this point where you're, oh, I've, Eureka, I've got this frag and it's grown into a colony overnight. Right. That's not going to happen. So rather than constantly changing things, Keep things as stable as you can, and in the long run, you'll have a lot better success than like I did, constantly monkeying around to try and get that, this is going to improve things this much, and this is going to improve. No. Because think of it this way. You have a a one-inch or a three-centimeter frag. Yep. And say it grows 10% per month. That's three millimeters. (laughs) Say you get another 10% on top of that. Okay? (laughs) No, that's 10% on top of that three. That's 0.03 millimeters. You're not going to get that much of a change. You're not really going to notice that. It's not going to be enough where you're going to say, wow, I've I've discovered something that's really exciting. It's not like that. All you're going to do is increase it a little bit. But you can wipe things out like that by the same token. So once you have things stable and everything's good, just let it go. Stay with what you're doing, the testing you're doing regularly, the water changes you're doing regularly, 
anything you're doing regularly and you're having success with, don't expect to change and suddenly get an even bigger success. You get a small, and when I say small, right. a very small improvement. So understand that going in that you're not going to change things to make things dramatically better. Right. It's all about incrementally. That's it. Well, and, you know, it goes back to what you were saying from the beginning. All those years ago, right? Again, yep. stability is king. Stability so, is king yeah, and yeah. not chasing numbers and taking your time. Even when you have time, if you're going to spend time doing things, try to make things simpler. There you go. So that whenever you don't have time, it's easy to change a filter. It's easy to clean a skimmer. I mean, that's the one nice thing about the new 500. Everything is easy to do. Everything's on a switch to turn off. Everything can be pulled out and cleaned without me having to be a gymnast to go underneath <laughs> and do it. Nothing takes more than 10 minutes. I mean, except the water change. But even with water changes, that was one of the other things that I've changed. When I used to do a water change, I used to rush to get the right. clean water back in to replace right. it. Right. Right. Now this sump is big enough that I can take six, eight hours to bring the water back into the tank mm -hmm. from the, the new clean water. Right. So it, it doesn't shock the tank like it used to do. Right. Now it's much more stable in that regard. So that's another positive thing that I learned. Just take your time. It drains in slowly. It may take six hours to drain the 50 gallons I do when I do a water change. Sure. But that's fine. I don't get the shock to the corals that I used to get. And when you do that, do you have any corals exposed? No. Okay. I used to, but yeah, now... Yeah. Because of how big the sump is and how I designed it so that I would have excess, right. I don't. I don't have that. That was in the old 300. I used to have corals exposed, right, right. For, so I had to rush to get it back in. Right. But fortunately, in this case, even when the the tank is drained, the sump is drained to nothing. There's still water up to the upper half inch of the of there the big tank. Perfect. And nothing grown to except for the uh, style, uh, the big milk stylophora. Yeah. Yeah. But even that does isn't exposed except for one little branch is grown out of the water. That's yeah. going to be taken off. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. So on that note, sounds like a good lesson for everybody, right? Whether yep. you're experienced or not. Hope everyone got through this well and stay safe, everyone. <laughs>